Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano, and with me we have, as usual, Pado. Welcome, Pado. Thanks, mate. Good to be here again. We got a chocker block episode this week now. I lost the captaincy um, challenge again, and I kind of forgot to blend some stuff up. So what I might do is I might um, do a do it next week as well. And if I lose again <laughs> this weekend, I have to do a double chug. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good one for listeners, Dano. Yeah, no, I'll probably die. Anyway, so sorry that you guys can't um, hear me choke again. Um, but I might on the weekend. You never know. Um, okay, injuries time, Pato. Let's get straight into it. Ned Reeves, um, a lot of people traded him in. A lot of people didn't know about the reverse trade um, situation. Um, so, but anyway, he didn't play, and it doesn't look like he'll play this week either, judging by um, Segler's role on the weekend. I'm not so sure about that one. I reckon they can move things around and they can have McAvoy as a permanent defender. Uh, so there is scope to play Reeves and Segler in the same team. Let's keep our fingers crossed about that ankle and hope it calms down enough for him to play this week. He's got Essendon, who uh, don't have the tallest of backlines. So if they can have that extra tall in there, it might stretch them a little bit. And Hawthorne will be wagging their tails a bit down in Tassie on the weekend because they were very dominant against the Swans on Friday night. Yep, yep. Um, you've listed down Nat Fife here. Now, he's got the bye this week, but he's set to return. So another week off will freshen him up. Uh, whether or not he plays, I don't know. Prio might take the cautious approach. Uh, what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, it's a real tough one. We mentioned it last week. He'll probably play next week after his bye. But how's that shoulder going to be? He did exactly the same thing as Josh Dunkley did who popped it straight out about five minutes after it went back onto the ground. And obviously we know he had pretty much a 12-week surgery and may return by the end of the year, but obviously they're going to play finals and Frio probably won't. So I'm not sure what they gain in risking Nat Fife. Maybe they think there's still a, a cheeky chance at finals, but I cannot see that happening at all. Yeah, Nathan Murphy uh, from Collingwood got subbed out on Monday with a corky. Um, you pretty much got to trade him out this week anyway if you're going to because he's got the buy. Um, that's pretty much all I can say on that one, Pato. Yeah, agreed. Uh, if, you, if you're still holding Nathan Murphy maybe for that last buy uh, last weekend, he's got to go. Um, kind of sucks if you were holding him for that score because he got 15 or 20-odd, I think. Um, but, yeah, he's got to go 100%. Um, trade him out for hopefully a playing rookie this week. Now, rookie watch. So we've got some listed here that haven't played this year, but because we're desperate for rookies for downgrade options, um, like last week we said to jump on Joe Newcomb early, it worked. He ended up getting a 75 and he looked fucking good. Anyway, you've got um, a Brisbane debutante, but not really a debutante, if you get what I mean, Pado listed as number one. Yes, uh, he's played 33 games for Geelong, but Nakaya Cockatoo, now he made the, the switch up to Brisbane in the off-season. Now, he... May be a chance this weekend and would actually come at a really good time for us. Now, whether he's going to play 
Zorko's role, why he misses that one-week suspension, or whether he, even if he plays in a forward pocket, we really don't care. We're pretty desperate as, for a rookie price player. He's 123000 so he's not even just an expensive rookie. He's at a really good price, so his scoring really doesn't matter. His highest averaging season was 63 for Geelong. Never played more than 11 games in a season, but if he can play for the rest of the game for, for Brisbane, sorry, play for the rest of the season, he's a mid-forward rock uh, option, so he's at, got that dual position swing. Uh, he'll come at a perfect time if he is named this week. Even if he scores 50 a week, that doesn't matter. He can kick a couple of goals for Brisbane. We know he looks at home in the AFL system. We saw him at Geelong, probably a little bit unlucky to be squeezed out from a salary cap perspective. But I really like him. We've just got to hope that Brisbane do us a solid and name him this weekend. Yep. Now, I've got a little bit of a left fielder here for you, Pato. I'm not too sure of the legitimacy of this, but um, a few of the super coach circles are screaming out for this one particular player to play this weekend, probably because um, he's listed as a defender at 102K, and that's actually Joel Jeffrey of the Gold Coast Suns. Now, I'm not sure whether or not it's just out of desperation that people are hoping that he plays or whether he's actually playing well. I haven't actually looked at his form. Um, but there's an option potentially if uh, he does play um, as a downgrader. Um, Timmy Mitchell on Twitter is all about him, so I'm not too sure whether or not. I haven't done my research on him, which is usually I, I do my research, Pato. Yeah, no, usually I do as well, and I, I usually hear wind of these sort of rookies coming through, but I haven't heard a thing about Joel Jeffrey. Couldn't tell you anything about him. Today was the first time that I've even heard his name. So, Same. look, hopefully hopefully is another one where, yep, as as you said, he'll, he'll be a bit of a godsend for us this week if he's named. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with that one. Yep. So we go on to um, good old Nettie Reeves. Now, we mentioned him earlier. 117K ruck, 90, minus 98 break even, I should say. I, after the way Segler played on the weekend, I was like, oh, shit, okay, maybe Ned Reeves isn't going to play the next week. But, Pato, like you said earlier, you reckon that they might reshuffle their team to bring him in? Yeah, yeah. McAvoy's playing that backup rock role, and when he's not, he's sort of moving between forward and defence. He's played full-time full-back before in recent history as well. So they don't mind him down in their defence, a uh, big athletic sort of tall defender. Let's hope that uh, Clarko... He's happy to play him in defence and play Reeves and Segler as the rotating rucks because, I mean, I was about 3K short of getting my trade back by going Reeves back to Flynn. And not only did it cost me money-wise, I could have brought in someone else last week, but it also cost me on the field because Manny Flynn had quite a brilliant score on the weekend. got 120-odd, I could be wrong, but scored very well. And it's, and it's probably the difference between a really good score for me on the weekend and an outstanding score. So it hurt a lot, but look, that's super coach for you. It is what it is. No one knew that Ned Reeves rolled his ankle at training until an hour before the bounce when he was laid out and we sort of went into panic stations. But that's super coach for you. Unfortunately, these things sometimes can't be helped. Yep. Uh, Lukey Edwards, uh, Tyson Edwards' son uh, from the former Adelaide Crow, 117K, um, $300 mid, minus 89 break even. On the bubble, but he's got the buy. Um, plays for the West Coast Eagles. He fucking looked good, though. Um, how? Well, I don't know how far off Shuey's returning. He's still TBC. Um, and Kelly, I'm not too sure um, either, but he wouldn't be too far off, would you, Pato? 
Yeah, Edwards looked amazing against us on Sunday night. Looked really good. But the thing is, Shuey and Kelly are both only were listed last week as a couple of weeks away. Obviously, they've got their bye this week. So that'll put them line ball for next week. Now, as impressive as Luke Edwards was, he's not staying in the team over either Luke Shuey, Tim Kelly, or both. So keep keep an eye on that. I know a lot of people are already trading Luke Edwards in based off his break even and stuff, but I would hold off a week just in case he doesn't hold his spot. Uh, I think there's better options if you're looking for a rookie price midfielder, and we're about to mention him next. Yep. Um, just like last week, Jai Newcomb, 102,400 mid, 75 on debut, actually broke the record for most tackles on debut in VFL, AFL history since they started recording the stat, and he beat it by three tackles. So that's fucking insane. Um, as soon as he gets a bit more of the pill, um, you, he, could, he could even just be left on your, your midfield bench and try and loop him on every week. Yeah, I think he looked a little bit shaky when he had the ball. Just seemed to take a little bit too long to make decisions with the ball. But that's pretty standard for a guy playing his first AFL game, especially in that role. But as you said, he was an absolute ball tackling and in that contested stuff. He looks like a natural in that contest. So I reckon give him a couple of weeks and I reckon he could be looking at those 100 sort of scores soon enough. And he'll be a perfect M9, M10 cover, I think. I don't think you're bringing Jai Newcomb in to make money. He will make plenty of money, but I think he's really good coverage. And at 102000 rock bottom price rookie, I think he's a brilliant option. I think you need to trade him in. And what better week than this week if you didn't jump on him last week because he's playing in this really tough bye week. Bloody oath. Um, another one that we got listed down, and the last one on our list uh, is Luke Foley, 161,000 defender, minus 52 break even, got 51 average. He's got the buy this week. Um, but yeah, job security wise, what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, scored really well. He had a, a 90 odd score and looked pretty good in that half back line for West Coast. But They've got too many defenders to come back. They've got Archie, Shepard, McGovern, Witherden, all those guys still not in the team and only a couple of weeks away, if not one week away. So, look, it might be another really unlucky one who has looked really good on the park, but in a really strong West Coast team, we've had quite a few injuries. When those guys come back, really tough to, to have those guys drop from the senior team. But if his name next week could be a nice little downgrade option from someone like Lockie Jones. But, yeah, see what happens. I wouldn't be training him in this week, though. Speaking of trading in, though, let's start with our trading targets, but So we'll start with some defenders. Moister than an oyster over Tommy Stewart at 532K, 108 average, 112, three-round average, 105, five-round average. Mr. Consistent down back, uh, fifth-ranked defender. Not much more you can say about him. He doesn't have the buy. If you need an upgrade in defense, he is definitely one to consider at 532K. Yeah, all the names that we're going to mention in the podcast, Dano, uh, all have already had their buy, except for one name, which we'll talk over when we get to him. But yeah, yeah Tom Stewart, I'm spewing. I don't have him. I can't bring him in unless I sideways someone. I'm not keen on doing that in my defense. So I'm going to have to roll without Tom Stewart, reluctantly. Fifth ranked defender so far this year. I reckon that might even go up to the third or fourth. He's scoring that well. He had a little bit of a lean month, but he looks... He was brilliant on Thursday night. He was everywhere in defense against a really good Port team. And, yeah, what else can you say? He's going to be brilliant. Get him in if you can. Yep. Dan Houston of Port Adelaide, P. 
power, not magpies. 415k, 91 average, 97 and 102 since returning from injury, Pato. But the thing that I've been floating around is he's fucking like, he's a yo-yo. He's a massive yo-yo. And there's probably more consistent people out there. But if you're struggling for cash and you need someone to play and play the rest of the year, you might, your hand might be forced to trade in Dan Houston. Yeah, he's had a few injury-affected scores this year. He's been subbed out of a couple of games with that shoulder, as well as obviously the game that he did his shoulder. So it has been a bit niggly, but last two weeks he's looked pretty good. And I think if he can get a 95 average, and if you are scraping the barrel for some cash, whether you want to aim for one of the big dogs in midfield and go a little bit cheaper in defense, Dan Houston, I think, is a fairly solid option. Now, if you look at the 100K difference between Houston and a Whitfield or a Stewart, and you can turn a, a trade-in of, say, Zach Merritt to his teammate, um, Darcy Parrish. Darcy Parrish. I think that's probably worth it. But it's obviously team-dependent. If you're scraping the barrel for cash, though, Dan Houston, I think, is a pretty good cheap alternative. Yep, yep. Now, the bloke that I said that I was not going to trade in last week because he's never scored more than a 97 against North Melbourne is Lockie Whitfield at 504K, 90 average, 101 three-round average. Proven scorer in the past. I think now would be the time to strike considering their next two games, the Giants. Um, but, yeah, like I said, Pato, he's never scored higher than a 97 against North. And what happened on the weekend? He scored below it. Yeah, he had 70-odd, I think, which was a bit tough to endure. I watched that game pretty keenly after the NBL, which was an amazing game, mind you. But, yeah, he had 74, which really hurt. And when I'm bringing him in over someone like Tom Stewart – I heard even more because Stewart got nearly double, I think. So a bit of a weird one that he hasn't scored well against the Kangaroos. It was he a Kangas fan as a kid and just doesn't want to play hard against them or something? It no, doesn't make just, a lot of sense. Just a, some players have bogey teams where they just don't play well yeah. against them. And Lockie Whitfields, if you're not a Giants fan and you don't really pay too much attention to the Giants, you wouldn't notice that he... Doesn't he does actually get bodied a fair bit against North, regardless of their ladder position? So yeah, it's it's like I said, I called it and it happened. So yeah, a bit of a weird one, but I do really still like Whitfield as an option. Uh, Carlton and Hawthorne is next two, and it doesn't get much better than that in terms of a of a halfback looking to get really big points against those teams. So yeah, still a great trading option. Yeah, you'll probably probably go one twenty to one forty against Carlton. I could just see some monster scores from him and Josh Kelly. Anyway, um, Caleb Daniel, 475K, 88 average, 97 five-round average. Now, his role at times, like some at some stage you've seen him float up to half forward. Sometimes you've seen him, I'm pretty sure I saw him at a centre bounce or two once or twice. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know what the fuck's going on with his role. Yeah, it's a real weird one. Um the boys over at Dr. Supercoach, huge shout out to them. They're awesome. But they they call it uh, Bevo's salad. And it's pretty much just the salad of, of guys where they play about 18 midfielders week to week, the Bulldogs do. And they play all over the place. And we see Bailey Dale goes from a half forward line last year to a really attractive half back line and looked really good in that half back role. But Caleb Daniels played some inside midfield. He's played forward pocket, half forward, half back, back pocket as more of a lockdown. Like he's played all over the place. And I think they're trying to find a role for him with Bailey Dale doing really well in that half back role. So 
Look, it's a risky one. If you think he's going to play defense in the rest of the year, I think he's a good price. But I feel like it's a little bit too risky to be trading him in. Now, if you've already got him, I wouldn't be trading him out. You've just sort of got to ride the the roller coaster with that one. Yep. He'll have his big scores, but he might have some 70s and 80s as well. And you're just going to have to deal with that, I think. Yep. Jankuth GF, 374K, 86 average. Look brilliant. Back to his brilliant self. Um, the only thing is, I... <sighs> He's a bit of a fucking yo-yo as well. Um, I don't think he'd scored over 100 for ages, so I wouldn't be trading him back in. Uh, But, Pato, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he looked a million bucks on Friday night. I watched this game really closely because I had so many super coach players playing. But um, I think it was Will Day that had a really good influence on Jaff. Now, Will Day came back, played as that loose role, and Jaff could sometimes get a little bit lost playing in that role, whether he doesn't know how to read the ball too well in the air. But Jath was bouncing off his man and did it really well. I think he's got a really good instinct of when to attack the ball when he's matched up on a player. But when he plays loose, I feel like he can get a little bit lost. So, look, if you're really desperate and you need someone even cheaper than Dan Houston, he's 374000 would I recommend it? Probably not. But if you are super desperate for cash, and again, you need that extra cash to go up to one of those Uber premiums in the midfield, it could be worth the risk. Yeah. Especially yeah. with Will Day coming back and maybe playing in that that loose role. But look, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Now I'm just gonna plug myself a bit here. Um, I'm getting notorious on Twitter at the moment for being a um what, what do they call me? It was a finding players that have bottomed out. And the next one I got him in when he bottomed out at like 390, 380K or whatever it was. And that's uh, Zach Williams. So he's now 445K. His average is 84, 102, three round average. Um, still not too late to jump on, but I believe that there are better options now at that price. Um, Pato, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I'm not sure if there are better options. I think I really like him in that back role at this price at 445,000 is still really cheap. Um, but yeah, look, I th- I feel like as a podcast, we should be really become notorious for finding these guys that have bottomed out because we've both found some absolute gems this year. And if mm. there's one thing that our loyal listeners can take away from our podcast is that we're going to suggest guys that have bottomed out and are looking to make a run. Now, both of us have played a fair bit of super coach draft in recent years, and you've got to jump on those guys before they become popular. And I think I feel like we've got a real knack of finding that, Dano, um, yep. as a bit of a, a horn toot for both of us. But yeah, I like Zach Williams, but yeah, look, there probably are better options, um, including just going an extra, what, 60, 70K to get to Tom Stewart or another 50K or well, 60K to, to Lockie Whitfield. But I don't mind Zach Williams as, and it looks like he's going to keep up that halfback role. So I still really like him at yep. 445K. Yeah, the next bloke I was humming and hiring about getting in at 380 k He's a midfielder. Um, and he came back to haunt me. Um, and that's Scott Pendlebury. Now at 423K, so he's still fucking bargain basement price. 94 average, 108 three-round average. Um, he's only really played midfield the last two weeks, hasn't he, Pado? from memory? Yep, yep, two yep. weeks. He, he moved into the midfield last week when Collingwood came back into that game. I can't remember who they played, but they came back and won the game. Was it? Oh, anyway, anyway, 
Um, and then they came came back. Well, they didn't come back. They led from the get go against um, Melbourne on Monday as well. So, and Pendles is back to his brilliant best. Um, I think he's a must have either this round or next round. It's all dependent on your structure and whether or not you can either a sideways trade players or your sideways trading players to get up to the 18 or B you're just ignoring rank and going for league wins. If you're ignoring rank and going for league wins, you can bring him in this week. If you're not, then sorry, I've got a dog just jump up on my lap. (laughs) If you're not, uh, then yeah, you can either hold off until the next week and whatnot. But yeah, minus 20 break even, Pato. Fucking Pendles is back. And I'm pretty sure Rob Harvey, as the caretaker coaches go, they try and get immediate wins because the likelihood of them getting a coaching gig is slim to none. And I reckon Rob Harvey is going to be one of those folks who's like, right, I fucking want this coaching job. Let's play our best players where they need to play while also playing some young guys. And Pendles and even Sidebottom will probably play in the guts. That's my prediction. Yeah, look, I'm so torn on this one, really torn, because I was I was really tempted by him last week because I saw him move into the guts in the third quarter against Adelaide. It was two weeks ago when they came back and won that game. Yep, yep. Then against Melbourne, he was unreal. It was vintage Pendles, absolute vintage Pendles, and I'm not surprised at all. He had that much of an impact. He had 167, and he did have that much of an impact on the game. He was tremendous. There's a couple of things I'm concerned about, though, Dano, and then that is the role under Robert Harvey. I do agree. Caretaker coach coming in, he's been an assistant for a while now, so he's going to feel like it's his turn to get a shot. So I agree with you that he's going to try and get wins. And I agree that Pendlebury is one of those guys that will play midfield in an attempt to get those wins. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is we see how passionate Pendlebury is playing under Buckley and playing with Buckley. He was a teammate of his as well. Does that passion go down a little bit because Robert Harvey has taken over? Now, Penderbury is still the captain of this club and obviously a Collingwood legend. He'll like he'll we'll look back in 10 years and think, yeah, Penderbury is Penderbury is one of Collingwood's best ever players. He's he's had that much of an impact on that club. I'm just maybe not hundred percent sure how much of a passion he'll play with since Bucks has gone on. And if they're obviously no chance of finals, so how how's how determined is he going to be to play this as he did against Melbourne on Monday? I'm not sure. Is it worth the risk? At 424000 it may be worth the risk. But does he play every week? He's getting on in age. Does he go back to a half-back line where he's scoring 60 a week? That's a possibility as well. It's, it's all those things are going to weigh up. Now, I'm not going to do it this week. I'll maybe reassess next week. I've got one spot in my midfield left, and I've already got Patrick Cripps as my M8, so... This last midfield spot has to be someone that I'm sure is going to score 115, 120. And can Penderbury do it? Yes, I think he can. Is he going to do it? Mm, I'm not so sure. So I've already taken a few risks with my team. I'm not sure if I can take this one. But at his price point, I may be forced into it next week. But we'll wait and see. I would rather see him at least for one week and see what his role will be under... Robert Harvey, but I mean, he could be 500,000 if he has another big 110, 120 game. And by then it's probably not worth it at the price point. So it is a big decision. It could make or break your season. Huge point of difference. He's in 4% of teams. So if he can go 120 plus for the rest of the year at 424,000, you're fucking laughing all the way to the bank. So there's a lot to consider with that one. And just to mention that Scott Pendlebury's ownership, I think was under 2%. 
before this round or it was or one percent or something like that so um there are already people jumping on anyway guy that we said after anzac day game to fucking jump on but neither one of us did because we couldn't afford the cash was darcy Parrish. he's now up to 658k 118 average 151 three round average that's fucking mental 140 five round average still only six percent ownership <laughs> holy fuck like if you're Imagine just jumping on him at the 498k when we said to you, holy shit. Yeah, his numbers are astonishing, Dano. And it just begs the question, what the fuck was Warsfold doing playing this kid up forward? Now, we, he was drafted as an inside mid. He was in the same draft as Clayton Oliver and had the same raps coming out of the TAC Cup is what they call it now, but whatever they called it back then, the uh, the NAB League or whatever. It just it baffles me that he hasn't been playing. Now, his break-even is 93, Dano, 93. So if he has another 140-plus score, which he could against the Hawks, fuck, he'll get over 700K just like uh, his draft colleague in Clayton Oliver. But, yeah, he's had some monster scores since moving into that midfield. Um, just as bonkers, absolutely bonkers, Dano. And at 658K, I still think is a good buy. That's how well he's travelling. So if you can afford him, bring him in. Huge POD for you. 7% of teams, as you said. Yep. Um, if you got the cash, fucking bring him in. He's at his buy. He's ready to just dominate for the rest of the year. And may even be a Brownlow Smoky Dano if they can win a few more games. He's yep, he's yep. traveling well. Yep. He's only 10K cheaper than Clayton Oliver. It's fucked. Um Anyway, uh, Mr. McRae at 656K, 128 average, 141 three-round average. If you didn't start him, he's one of the Bulldogs players that you need to have. It's either him or Bont for me. Um, I've already got McRae. I can't afford Bont. So, um, yeah, I've got him. But, yeah, what 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 do you reckon, Pato? Do you have to have McRae in? I think you need him. Um, even at 656K, I think you need him. He hasn't dropped below 106 all year, which is absurd. He's had three scores in the 100 uh, mid 100s, and that's 106, 107, 108. He's had those three scores. He's had a score of 115, 118 against Port and Collingwood, and everything else has been over 130. Which, I mean, he just doesn't get under 30 touches at all. I think you need him. I think he's going to hurt you way too much if you don't have him. And if you're going to, if you don't have McRae and you are looking at one of the big dogs, whether you're tossing up between McRae and Bontepalli or Oliver and stuff like that, those guys can get tagged out of games. Jackson McRae just doesn't get tagged. Playing next to Bontepalli, and funnily enough, teams are, are tagging Liberatoria over McRae because McRae is such an outside uh, run distributor. So, yeah, I think if you don't have McRae, you need to bring him in. Yep, yep. Tuki Miller, one of my VC options, uh, mentioned on the podcast last week at 635K, 119 average, 138 three-round average, 129 five-round average. Again, just 6% ownership. Yeah, what what do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon that ownership was at about 3% last week. So a lot did jump on after he had that buy. They were rewarded with 127. Now, the only thing I'd be slightly concerned about with Tuk is Matt Rao. He played half forward a lot on the weekend. Looked, it looked like he's never played away from where the contest is his whole life. Matt Rowell is a contested beast. That's where he'll be. Now, whether they're going to ease him back because of his injury issues or whether he's just going to get one or two weeks and then get a leash back into that midfield, we'll wait and see. Now, I 
wouldn't be too keen on Miller at that price if I can get McRae for 20K more, if I can get Parrish also for 20K more. I think you've got to find that extra 20K, and I think Parrish and McRae are much better options. Yep. But if you've yep. already got those two guys and you're looking for an Uber, I, I really like Tuke Miller. Yep. Another one, Ben Cunnington, the bloke that I wanted to start at the start of the year, but then the fucker got concussed. Um, five... 73, sorry, 573K, 106 average, 128 three-round average, 117 five-round average. The fucking beast. Um, there's no point in tagging him either because, like I said, he's a contested ball beast and he's going to get it anyway. And he's a clearance machine. Like at one stage there, he had five clearances to the Giants' team total of four. Like he's just a fucking beast. Um, yeah, I... I can see him fitting into anyone's midfield in Supercoach, to be honest. Um, but what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, he's an absolute animal. Uh, he was at 427K, Dano. Yep, yep, with, I know. With, I wanted to start him. And actually lower, yeah, and lower than his starting price. Now, I know our good mate, Jed, he, he brought Cunnington in and he reminds us every time North Melbourne play <laughs> that, yep, I brought him in, brought him in, he's doing well. And he's a fucking beast. Here's the only issue that I have, though, Dano. And it's who he plays for. Most people have Zebel. Yep. Most people are bringing in Aaron Hall. Correct. Can you have two or three players in your super coach team from the worst team in the comp? I don't think it's feasible. I think you can justify one, maybe two. But if you're looking at two or three, yeah, look, I'm not so sure. Cunnington may be the one that got away. And yeah, he'll, he'll average brilliantly. If he stays on the park now, his body is also a bit of an issue. He's had soft tissue issues. He's had back issues. I think there's just too many question marks. Now, can he average 120, 130 from here on in? Yes, he absolutely can. Can he miss four or five games for the rest of the year and still average well? I think he could as well. So I feel like now that he's at 570,000, I think there's better options, including the guy that I promised we wouldn't mention Again, last week, so I won't mention him, but I'm sure everyone knows who I'm talking about. He's just 4K more expensive. And, yeah, look, I like Cunnington. If you've got him, he'll be a great POD. And if you're just looking for league wins or you're in a cash league or whatever, I think he might be worth the risk if you haven't gone too many other risks with injury guys. But just because he plays for a bottom four team, I just, I'm not sure how likely he is to either get rested or whether he's just going to have like a 10, 20% niggling injury and they're more inclined to have him not play through that because they're not going to play finals. So yeah, there's too many question marks there for me, but I like him as a POD. Yep. Yep. Um, for those that are new listeners, um, Pato is referring to Josh Kelly from the Giants. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, we don't have him on the run sheet, but we mentioned him every week. So fucking. Do it as you will. Um, Ollie Wines, though, 571K, 108 average, 126 three-round average, 117 five-round average. A fair few I've seen in some um, super coach groups on Facebook actually jumped on him last round. Um, he's at 4% ownership. Uh, he's going to be a fucking yo-yo, but what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, he's had history of being a real up-and-down scorer, and it's a little bit surprising because... He plays a really super coach friendly role. He's a contested beast, um, gets plenty of the footy, but his disposal can let him down. And that's why he can be a little bit of a poor super coach scorer. Now he's had a real big month. 
He's had 139, 100, 134, and 144, which is huge. But the two weeks before that purple patch, he had 91 and 70, which just isn't going to cut it if you're going to bring him in, especially at 570K. So, look, I'm a little bit skeptical with Ollie Wines. He's already had his buy. His break even is at 65. I think you can do better for the price point, but he's not a bad point of difference. Tommy Mitchell, 559K, 108 average, 121 three-round average, 117 five-round average. I like his new role um, in that, like, the thing, shit that he was doing um, off the ball when he was resting up forward, allowing the key forwards like Cozzy and all them to hit up the ball and he putting on little blocks that the umpires can't see, shit like that. That was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Clarko, I think, fired a fucking firecracker into his asshole and it's just exploded. And Tommy Mitchell now is like, right, i got to fucking pull my finger out. The amount of times I saw the dude go forward with the ball, not sideways or backwards with the cheap little shit. Um, when in his last game, like, he's, he's just changed. He's flipped a switch. And champion data noticed that in his last game and... I reckon he had the same amount of disposals as every other week that he gets, but he scored higher because he's actually moving the ball forward. Um, so I reckon he's actually a really good option now at 559K. What do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, I really like him. I've had him all year and he's a little bit frustrating so far. I think I feel like he's been stuck between the outside, more outside role that he's had against Sydney on Friday night and playing that inside role, whereas someone like Jane Newcomb coming in, I think has really helped Tom Mitchell. Because it's someone else that can go get the contested ball while Tom Mitchell does look at getting the ball forward. And, yeah, he was exceptional on Friday night. I absolutely agree. Dano even kicked the goal himself, which he doesn't do very often at all. So, I, yeah, brilliant price point. Absolute proven score. Already had his buy. I think there's a lot of ticks there. And he plays games. He's not someone that misses games through injuries. Hasn't got a soft tissue injury history. Um, I think his safest houses at 559,000. is just a little bit susceptible to a tag. Um, and he has the Giants next week, Dano, and that pesky little prick is back. So maybe a target for next week. But other than that, there aren't too many teams that do tag. He's got Freo in round 17 as well. So he probably will cop Caleb Sarong in that game. Um, and maybe James Harms in round 18. So there's two, two weeks in a row where he may get tagged. But other than that, it's looking pretty good for the run home, Dano. Don't be too surprised if the Giants don't tag with DeBoer over the next two weeks. Don't be too surprised. Just because they played him underdone as fuck against North Melbourne and it showed and he only tagged for one quarter and then he got pulled off because he was just, he's, he's not his normal self and he got pulled off to try and get back into the normal play. So it might actually take DeBoer a couple of weeks to actually get back to proper fitness. So just I'm, I'm I'm not too stressed about DeBoer against Carlton and Hawthorne about tagging, um, which we'll talk about in a second with another one. Um, but Lockie Neal, 575K, 165 break even. Do you reckon hold off one more week, Pato? This is a really tough one because he's got North this week. So he could go absolutely bang. But at the same time, he could be still a little bit underdone. He did get a fair bit of attention from James Harms in his return last week. Didn't look great, but he looked healthy. And that's the main thing. That's what we're looking for. I would probably leave it a week. 
just to see how he looks against North. Now, if you miss a 130, 140 score because of that, then so be it. But if he scores like that, he's back and you bring him in the following week. I can't see him reaching his break even, even though it is 165. So, yeah, I'd, I'd leave it one more week, see how he looks after the one week off. Oh, he's had plenty of weeks off, but after the bye, after that one <laughs> game that he had. Yep. Um, and I'd be I'd be waiting and seeing with Lockie Neal. And if you've got that one spot left, like I do, I'm waiting and seeing. And Lockie Neal is in contention for that last spot for me. But next week. Yep, yep. Sam Walsh, 559K, 115 average, 110 three-round average. Um, with him, now we were mentioning the DeBoer tag. I, I can't see this round DeBoer being able to keep up with Sam Walsh, given how fucking underdone he is and how sluggish and poor he looked on the weekend. So, yeah, absolutely yeah. agree. Um, he got absolutely tailed up by Aaron Hall when he was tagging to the point where Leon, even Leon Cameron said, no, nah, we can't tag this fucker. Matty DeBoer probably shouldn't have played. Um, he probably should have had one more week off and looked to return against Sam Walsh. So he may get tagged, but Sam Walsh could well just outrun DeBoer because he's a he's an endurance beast. Um, he yeah. just doesn't stop running Sam Walsh. So he's probably safe, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does get the tag and hopefully he gets through that for anyone that might be looking to bring him in. Yep, yep. Now you put Patrick Cripps down on this list. I'm still not sold on him. Um, what do you reckon, Pato? 467K, 103, three-round average. What do you reckon? I still really like him, Dano. I think the week off will really benefit him. Um, just with any niggling injuries he may be having. And I look, it is risky, but at his price point, if you bring him in and he only averages at 95, then it's not the end of the world. And worst case scenario, if you've got the trades, you can just have him as your M9 and Gee, it's pretty good M9 to have. Um, so, yeah, that's the reason why I've put him on there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we'll move on to the forward line now. And hang on. Oh, yeah. Hang yep. on. Yep. Um, you missed, sorry, you missed Zach Merritt. Zachy Merritt is not on my list, but that's okay. We can put him on. You After left... only one, Tom Mitchell. Oh, that's blank. Anyway, um, Zachy Merritt, start us off, Pato. 563,111 average. But 124 three-round average and an 114 five-round average. I think he's shaken the mantra that he can't play through a tag. And I think Darcy Parrish is really helping him. So he's at a pretty good price point. Very similar price to Tommy Mitchell. So 563000 I like that as an option. Yeah. I'll just give you his last five scores too. So 131, then he's got a 64. Then it's 117, 119, and 137. He's only actually gone below 100 two times this year. One of them was in round nine, and the other one was in round two. So every other time, he's just been consistent as fuck. Um, and he's one of the bikes that I'm trying to trade in this week for myself, but just trying to find how to do that is another thing and weighing up whether or not to bring in pendles or not and just have him on the pine for a week or whatever. But anyway, yeah, Zachy Merritt. If you can't afford Parish, I think you can't go wrong with Merritt. Yep, yep, and uh, it's a decent alternative. Speaking, one. Yeah, speaking of other Essendon players, we'll move on to the forward line now, finally. And um, it's Kyle Langford at 474K, 87 average, 117 three-round average, 103 five-round average, 1.4% ownership. He's a fucking POD. Now, Dylan Shields... 
not far off. But with McGrath going down, I think Langford's midfield minutes increase more than what they already have. So, yeah, I, I honestly reckon this is a fucking perler of a pick. Um, what do you reckon, Pato? My only concern with Langford is that Dylan Shield cannot play anywhere but the guts. Now, I don't rate Dylan Shield. He can't hit a fucking target. And I don't think you should have guys that can't hit the target play in the midfield. So where that leaves Dylan Shield at his salary is not something that we discuss on this podcast. But Kyle Langford's biggest issue is that he looks good playing half forward. He looks good on a wing. And... That's where Andy McGrath has been playing. Now, he obviously gets those midfield rotations still, but Kyle Langford has been playing as that third midfielder next to Merritt and Darcy Parrish. Does that maintain with Dylan Shield coming back in a week or two? I don't think it does. Now, does he move to a wing? This is Kyle Langford, obviously. Yeah. I think he moves to a wing eventually to accommodate Dylan Shield. Now, I don't think you can you expect a 110, 115 average from Langford if you're bringing him in. If you're bringing him in, you've got to expect his scoring to go down to about a 95 on average. He'll have bigger games as most wingmen do. It is a little bit of a an up and down role in terms of super coach scoring. But at 474,000, I think he's still a great trading option. I'm bringing him in this week 100%. But... Do not be surprised. He may have a big game this week if Dylan Shield doesn't return. He's got the Hawks, so I think he'll probably go pretty good this week. Whether that's 120, even more, we'll see. But I don't think that's going to be his average. So if you're bringing him in for 110 average, you are very mistaken. Happily proven wrong on that one. But you've just got to tamper your expectations a little bit and think, okay, if he averages 95 from here on in, that's still a great average for a forward and at that price under 500,000 I think is a great trading option yep now the next bloke who super coach IQ keeps on thinking that he uncovered um but I got him one week earlier and fucking cheaper that's Aaron Hall 530k 95 average but we don't look at his 95 average because he's got a few injury affected scores go 122 three round average 118 five round average he has not dropped below 100 since um, the 418k range, which is when I got him in, he's now at 10% ownership. I, yeah, he's a he, he fucking tailed up the ball. Now Deb Ball didn't have the greatest tag on the planet in the first quarter. They shifted him off of Aaron Hall in the second. But yeah, it's Aaron, Aaron Hall 140 odd that he got. Fucking hell! I think it's safe to say now that he is back to his damaging best. Back when he was, I think he scored nine Brownlow votes. In three games, didn't he, for Gold Coast at one stage there, Pato? Oh, quite possible. I don't pay that much attention to Gold Coast, mate. Yeah, fair enough. It was back when Gary Ablett Jr. was playing and he actually polled, yeah, three rounds in a row of 3-3-3 did Aaron Hall. So he's back to that best. Um, Yeah, you've got to have him. But, yeah, you just got to have him. What do you reckon? Yeah, if if anyone had any question marks, I think you've got to throw them out the window. He, he's you got to have him. Um, he's he's scoring too well. We had 141 on the weekend. Now, if that's his ceiling, his his floor is probably about 100 105, and he's a forward. I think that's what makes him the best deal. Um, I think he's a better option than Cunnington because Cunnington is a midfielder, and there's obviously so much competition in that position. But as a forward, I think you you need him, and he's still only 530 thousand. 
That's not going to stay that price for much longer. His break even's 56. Before we know it, he's going to be over 600,000 and just unattainable as a forward. So, look, bring him in. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Bailey Dale, 524K, 97 average, 117 three-round average, 105 five-round average. What's his ownership, Pato? Ownership is 5%, which is so low for a guy averaging nearly 100 in the forward line. He's the fourth highest ranked forward. Um, and he's, he's actually a pretty consistent scorer in that halfback role. Now, he started off a little bit up and down, but I think he's solidified himself. His, his floor looks at about 85-90, which you'll take as a forward in Supercoach this year. But he's shown he can go 120-plus for a few weeks this year. So I really like him. If you've already got Aaron Hall, if you've already got Langford or you don't really like him, he's another 50K from that. Now, his break-even is 117, so you could probably afford to wait one more week. I'm probably going to target him next week as my final forward upgrade. But, yeah, look, I really like Bailey Dale. He's scoring really well. He's in a really attractive role. Uh, looks to have cemented that halfback role to the point where they've pushed their all-Australian halfback off the halfback line. And, yeah, Bailey Dale, I think, is a great option. Yep. Tomahawk, my boy, Tom Hawkins, Finley, Finley product. Up my way, uh, 526K, 96 average, 112, three-round average, 115, five-round average, only 6% ownership, which uh, is interesting. Um, I thought it'd be more, but ever since Jeremy Cameron came into the side, he's been fucking dominant. Um, doesn't matter that he's a key forward. Um, he gets that many goal assists. He sets up his team. He pushes up the ground. He does everything. He kicks goals. Fucking gun. The only thing that you got to worry about Hawkins is you got to ride the roller coaster with him because he might be sitting on 50 at three quarter time and then he fucking carves it up in the last quarter and he gets like 120, 130. That's the roller coaster if you look at live scores with him, as I had deal with week in, week out. But he might also be at 70 at half time and only get to 110. So, but he still scores above 100, Pato. Yeah, I was, I was shitting myself Thursday night. He was on about 50 odd at quarter time. Yeah. Kicked a couple of goals. I thought, fuck, like I'm, I'm blending something next week on the podcast. He kicked four goals four, luckily for me, and only got to 110. Very, very lucky. But, uh, yeah, look, consistent score. He'll have his big games when he kicks straight. He gets those score involvements. He gets assists. He gets up the ground, contested marks. He still does well, so he's not reliant on kicking big bags of goals in order to score well. And that's why he averages around 100 every year. So at 526,000, it's another probably little bit of a boring pick, but – He's got history, he's consistent, and, yep, I like Tomahawk as an option. Now, with my theory on Jeremy Cameron playing and Tom Hawkins scoring well, you've got a theory about Jeremy Cameron and Dangerfield that Jeremy Cameron scores well. So you've listed Jeremy Cameron down at 424K, 89 average, 99, three to five round average, 5% ownership. But what's your theory, Pato? Yeah, my theory is... And I'm going to bring Richmond into this as well, not because I'm a fan, but I, because I watch them so so often, I, I know them really well. It's, it's when Dusty goes forward and Jeremy Cameron's... Uh, sorry, not Jeremy Cameron. When Patrick Dangerfield goes forward, you really have to put a key defender on him. And maybe not a key defender, but maybe a third tall. Someone like a, a, a Dylan Grimes or a Jordan Ridley or... Someone that can lock down on those medium forwards, you've got to put them on to Dangerfield or Dusty. Otherwise, they'll just go off the chain and kick goals. And that's the same with Dangerfield. And I feel like he's going to play a fair bit forward when hopefully the guff comes back this weekend. And that just leaves Jeremy Cameron one-on-one against probably the second or third best defender in that he's 
playing against Geelong. And Jezza, has he won a Coleman? Yes. Yeah, he won one at the Giants. So, look, the, 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 three, last, three, two, the oh, last two Coleman medalists were Hawkins and Jezza. There you go. So that's pretty scary that both of those guys are going to be playing pretty much one-on-one any given week because you can't float off Dangerfield. You can't really float off Gary Rowan because he's had a pretty good year. You can't float off Tomahawk, obviously, because he's a fucking beast. Um, I like Jezza mainly because of his price, 424000 So he's 100000 cheaper than Tomahawk. He's got a break-even of thirty. Now, this week he could go real big because he's got the dogs, and the dogs have struggled against taller forward lines in the past. Tom Lynch towed them up while injured. That's how much the dogs struggle against these taller forwards. So we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I think he's a sneaky option as a VC if you've got him. Hmm. But I, I really like Jezza at his price point. Now, it's a little bit risky, but at that price, you can afford to take a bit of a risk. Now, I'm thinking about going sideways on Azakini, jumping off that fucking dumpster <laughs> and bringing in Jeremy Cameron. But I will obviously sit on that for a few days and work out what I'm going to do on Friday. But just because Jez is going to get one-on-one against his guys, and I think he's going to get on the end of a lot of handballs over the top from Tom Hawkins, from Dangerfield, etc. And I think he, he can probably average 95 to 100 for the rest of the year. Yep. Paddy, Dangerfield is next at 552K, 191 break-even, 7% ownership. He's got the Bulldogs this week. I say hold off. Uh, his price is set to fucking plummet, like absolutely hardcore. Um, he, I'm waiting for him to get ripe enough to bring into my forward line at a nice juicy price. I'm holding off bringing in anyone into that forward line. Um, I just need one more upgrade, and Callum Coleman-Jones is going to warm that spot until danger's ripe. So what do you reckon, Pato? I reckon if you can hold off on Dangerfield for two more weeks, I reckon he'll be under 500,000. I reckon now, he'll go even two, less. He, he quite well could because he's got the dogs this weekend who traditionally take a lot of those midfield points between Bontempelli, McRae, Libar, etc. So I... Maybe pencil in danger field for another 70-odd score. His price will plummet this week. He'll still have a pretty high break even. Then he's got the Lions, who have a very underrated midfield and have Neil and Zorko returning that week as well. So pencil him in for another 70 or 80 maybe that week, and he could get to 460, 450K, Dano. And at that price, you'd be struggling to not bring him in, I think. Mm, yeah, correct, correct. So I'd, what our general consensus is hold off on danger until he's right for the picking at mid 400k range or even slightly less. He could end up fucking just spudding from now on until Chris Scott goes right, we'll just play him in the midfield. But anyway, the next guy that we have on the list and the last one, there's a bit of intrigue around this one, Pato, and I don't know if you know, but in the last quarter against North Melbourne, the Giants did something that they've relied on for a while when shit shit hits the fan. That's Toby Green going into the middle. As soon as he went into the middle, the first play, what did you think happened, Pato? Oh, it was a clearance. And he was, he, yeah. He ripped it straight out, got the clearance, and the Giants kicked a goal, and it started their fight back from the 28 down. So Toby Green, it will not surprise me if from now on, because Leon, Leon's on, he's under the pump. He's in shit, and I and I think when the going gets tough, we will see Toby Green go more into the middle when they need a spark plug because they don't have Brent Daniels to do it at the moment. 
Because usually that's what happens with Brent Daniels. He'll go into the middle and he'll get a score involvement somehow. And so Toby at 455K is actually very, very, very tasty. And it's a very good one to put on the run sheet, Pato. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he's a classic break glass in, break glass in front in case of emergency player. And I agree with what you said about Leon Cameron. He's in a lot of trouble. And drawing to North Melbourne, regardless of where it is, is not where the Giants' hierarchy would be seeing where they're at at the moment, even with the injuries, Dano. Should be easily accounting for North Melbourne. I know that probably hurts to hear. You oh, no, they'll, they'll fucking no, pass. They were fucking yeah. pass. Um, not only did Toby Green have that really big influence in the middle in that fourth quarter when they needed a lift, he's the spark. But he kicked one goal four, and this could have easily been a 130-140 score, don't know, if he even just yep. kicked a couple of those goals. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think we'll see him a lot more through that midfield. It won't be 80% centre-bounce attendances. It could be 30%, 40%. But that's enough for a guy averaging about 90 to get up to 100, 105. That's enough. That's all he needs. He'll get two or three clearances in that time. He'll get probably some more tackles. He'll store up a lot more shit, and that's what we love to watch about him, except when he's playing against your own team. But with Carlton and Hawthorne coming up in the next two weeks, I he could go bang in the next couple of weeks and then set himself up for a really big end of the season. So, yeah, I really like him at that price point. And my, I just, it's not super coach relevant, but it could have been. I've never seen someone attempt a pass over the top of their head with such precision. He kicked the ball over his fucking head to Tom Green on the boundary line, but didn't see the opponent come in and fist it over the line. So he, he's fucking unreal. Um, that was anyway. good, wasn't it? And you saw oh. him have that little look over his shoulder. So he saw it, yeah. turned his shoulder and just, just kicked it. And you think, fuck, like, how does not there's probably one percent of the AFL that would see something like that, and that's what makes Toby Green so good. He's so instinctual, but you can't predict him. You can't. You couldn't possibly tag him. He'd be a nightmare to defend because he isn't predictable at all. So you really there's no way to stop him unless you piss him off to the point where he gets suspended. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, we'll move and on to questions. The, we'll move on sorry, to questions. And that's the only- Real concern with Toby Green. But yeah, anyway, yeah pretty on. much, pretty much. Um, but he was pulled his head in as captain at the moment. Anyway, question time. So, <laughs> oh, while Pato gets his Pfizer jab, um, sorry, we got. <laughs> I can't now. We got um, first questions from Tate, avid listener, every week. Uh, he said he pissed himself um, when he um, heard me choking on and coughing and spluttering when I did that blender challenge. Um, so thanks, Tate, you asshole. Anyway, um, he's asking for a rookie defender playing this week. Pato, all I can think of is wait for team announcements because hopefully we get some left field option that we haven't fucking heard of, like that one from Twitter um, that gets named to play and we got a quick downgrade in defense or something. Yeah, um, hopefully Joel Jeffrey was that his name? I can't remember. That's the one. Yeah, look, hopefully he plays. He might be one that a lot of coaches need for this week. Um, and now just quickly with Tate as well, I, I feel for him because I did the same trades, but Bianco, uh, sorry, Highmore down to Bianco. Bianco scores 20. What did he score? He, he scored 23 and Highmore scored 111. So there's 90 less than, than what yep. Bianco scored. Um, and also went Flynn down to Reeves and I did the same trade and 
Yeah, Reeves yeah. was a late out and Flynn scores 120 odds. So I'm with you there, Tate. I did the same trades. Now, I went early on Bianco two weeks ago and didn't get Highmore's sub-affected score last week, but essentially did the same trades and I'm just as hurt as you are, mate, especially in the buy round. But that's super coach for you. And unfortunately, these things happen all the time. Yep, yep. Um, I did the same thing, went Bianco, uh, sorry, Highmore to Bianco because... I just, well, if you can't, you can't blame people for doing it either. You look at his previous history and you're like, what the fuck is that? But then he goes bipolar and he's on 50 at fucking quarter time and like 70 odd at half time. You're like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. But anyway, it always happens. Um, so we'll move on to James's um, question. So he's saying who who comes in for McGrath? Um, is it, and is it time to trade Tex Walker? Um, in terms of the McGrath, I, like I said, I, I'm not sure if he means who comes in as in who comes into the team for McGrath as a rookie option or a player comes in or whether it's who takes over his role. And the only person I can think of is Langford there. But who comes into the team, I wouldn't know. Dylan Shields, what, one or two weeks off. So, yeah, there's that. Um, in terms of the Texan, though, I think you've got to hold him, don't you, Pato? Yeah, just quickly on McGrath, I think he's talking about who comes into the team. Now, Devin Smith, I think, is returning this week. So it's probably going to be him. Hopefully he doesn't play midfield. Uh, deep down, let's hope for Sam Durham, who was their mid-season draft mm. prospect. 102,000 rookie is a defender and a midfielder. So he could fill quite a lot of needs. I don't know how close he is to an AFL debut. I don't know how... He played on the weekend in the VFL, whether even Essendon played in the VFL, I couldn't even tell you. I haven't done that research, but he could be a nice little surprise inclusion potentially, but it look, it's looking unlikely. But just quickly on rookies now, every single week this year, someone has debuted. Now, there were 22 debutants mm-hmm. in round one. There's been three rounds where there's been just one debutant, but other than that, there's been at least three debutants in every week this year, Dano. So... Fingers crossed for another two or three this weekend that gives us some options, whether they're Ruckman, forwards, defenders, whatever we need as super coaches, Dano. Hopefully the AFL teams provide us that. Whether it's Connor Downey as a midfielder might finally debut after famously being the sub on debut and not even playing in round one. That was a bit stiff on the kid. Mm. Uh, whether Reef McKinnis played, no, they've got the buyer, so he won't play. Um yeah, look, there's plenty of options that, that may get a surprise call up, but we'll just wait and see. Usually the rookie announcements get done sort of Wednesday, Thursday, as teams have sort of de- decided who's going to debut, who's trained well, who's ready for a debut, et cetera. And obviously teams come out Thursday night. So let's keep our fingers crossed for another couple of debutants this week. But yeah, look, in terms of Tex Walker, really, really tough one. He has scored he's shown that he's scored really well in the past the thing is though he's just didn't really have the role um on the weekend and that's because it was so wet unbelievably wet on the weekend and that's why he scored just 34 he's still averaging 94 with that score dono is still the seventh ranked forward coming off the bye he's got carlton next week and i can back him in to be pretty good next week even though weedering's had a pretty good year I would back him in to have a pretty good game there. Then he's got Brisbane and Essendon. And 
has got Western Bulldogs, uh, sorry, Hawthorne and North Melbourne in the run home. Yep. So that's looking pretty juicy, but he's also got some pretty good teams there as well. So look, if you've got the trades, I'd be jumping off Tex Walker because he's got the buy this week. Maybe going to a Jeremy Cameron might be a nice little sideways trade if you think Jez is going to have a better end of the year. Um, if not, you just go to a more reliable primo, Bailey Dale, a um, couple of the names that we've mentioned already in the podcast, Dano. I think that might be your option, James. Mm. Just this is the last four scores for Texan. He's got 101, 97, 116, and then he gets a 34 in the wet. So his break evens at 101. He can easily match that. Easily match that in his next game. I I say if and I know people are desperate with their trades, like they're they're dwindling and whatnot. I'd say if you've got other problems, like you've got to upgrade elsewhere, I'd say hold off trading techs and upgrade elsewhere. That's that's just my point of view though. Yeah, look. He's got three games at Marvel. Sorry, two games at Marvel for the rest of the year, Dana. So we don't have to worry about the rain in that one. He's got five <laughs> games at Adelaide Oval, and two of those are against Hawthorne and North Melbourne. Yep. So you go good. One derby against Port. He's got one game at the MCG against Melbourne. So look, it could be wet, but that's round 22. So we're looking at August. So it's usually pretty good by then, the weather. And he's got one tricky one against the Dogs at Mars Stadium, which is down at Ballarat. So yeah, let's pencil him in. Cold. Let's pencil him in for a 20 there because that's not a, a, a venue or but in, but in the middle of winter that you want to be a key forward in. In, so, saying that, in saying that, you mentioned earlier that the Western Bulldogs actually struggle against big, tall forwards. So, Yeah, but at Mars, all, all key forwards will do well, uh, do shit out, even against the best fullbacks in the comp. So, I look, honestly, looking at that, I'd probably hold him. But mm. it also depends on what you're looking for at Supercoach, whether you're going for overall rank, whether you're looking at league wins, whether a trade this week, if you've got the trades up your sleeve, could be the difference between a league win and not. Whether you're in a cash league, we don't know the circumstances. But if you need that score this week, I can see merit in jumping off text. But don't be surprised if he still averages 95 plus for the rest of the year. That's all I'm saying. Yep, yep. Now, our friend Ryan, he always throws a spanner in the works with his questions, has asked, how much would would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Well, a woodchuck is only a bird. So really, how much wood can a, a small bird really hold in its beak, Dano? And I don't think it's much. Yeah, but it's saying if it could chuck wood. But if it could chuck wood, how would it chuck wood? Through its beak or its its paws or whatnot? Like it really can't hold that much. I, I, got, only- I got the answer for you. And it's Epstein didn't kill himself. Anyway. Pato, you've, you've, you've actually asked a question this week, so you can ask it on the pod. I, I have. I, uh, my question is, would it be worth the trade to get rid of Isaac Heaney to not only cover this week, but also jumping off and concede that it was a terrible trade? But that would now, mean... If I, if I would jump off Heaney, that would mean I'm holding on to Tom Phillips for the rest of the year. I just, I just like to say that I told you so that Heaney was a shit pick. He'll, he'll Look, go big I, and he'll go small. I think. Uh, who, who would you trade him to, Pato? Who, who are you looking at? Jeremy Cameron, you said. Probably Jeremy Cameron, to be honest. I think you're gonna get much for of a muchness between them both. They'll either go really big or really small. I don't think there'll be much in between with them. 
Yeah, look, it's, it's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at about 16 playing this week, which I think is above average. And that's only after making one trade this week. If I can go two trades, so with, if there's a rookie coming in, I can sideways to a rookie debuting and get their 30 or 40, whatever they'll score. And I could go Heaney across to Jeremy Cameron. And I could look at getting 18 or 19 on field. But yeah, that's what I'm looking at, community. Uh, I, I, there may be others in the same boat, whether we're just trying to scramble to get to 18 or whether it's worth just taking the hit this week in order to make sure that it's not being detrimental to our overall team. Very big week this week in terms of trade decisions, Dano. Yeah, I'm I'm actually um, trying to weigh up whether I trade to cover the buy and try and upgrade that way, which means that I might miss out on Pendlebury, who I'm big on, or let's say not trade and just trade for who I can get in, which means that I can get to a full primo. What I could get eight trades with one trade away from full primo, pretty much. But it means that I take a hit this week and my rank will suffer. So that's that's a thing that I'm weighing up, and I'm sure a lot of coaches will be weighing up um, whether or not to do it. My projected is, if I quickly change it, let's say if I just quickly slap um, Jack McRae as captain, it doesn't actually change. That's weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, here we go. We'll say Josh Kelly. As captain, I'm only at 15.30, but I think there's a glitch there because I've got a lot more players on the field than a normal person. But anyway, that's my dilemma, and a lot of other coaches will be in the same boat. All I can say is, may the force be with you. Anyway. Yeah, I yeah. just think quickly, yeah. Dano, uh, I think it's it's all too dependent on what you're looking for as Supercoach. If you're looking at overall rank, I think you almost have to trade this week and that's where you're going to get a really big up on the rest of the competition if you're looking to, to increase the rankings. If you're looking at cash leaks and stuff, it's really dependent on your team as well as your opponents. So have a look at what their team was like last week. You can't see, obviously, what trades they're making, but make a quick decision on who your, mm. your uniques are and work out whether you think you need to make those trades. Um, but it is all way too team dependent. Now, if you guys want specific advice, we're both more than happy to help you out. Send us a screenshot of your team on Twitter or on Facebook and we'll have a look and, and sort of try and make a decision for you. But make sure you let us know whether you're looking to just to win this week or whether you're looking to, to use luxury trades or whether you're looking at overall rank. We need to know that before giving you those suggestions, but we're more than happy to help. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to end up going for the shift of focus to the league wins, I reckon, because let's face it, what do you win if you finish in the top 500? You only win no, something if you fi- finish the top three, don't you? So, yeah. I'm pretty sure the top 100 get a, get a prize, oh, don't do they? they? Top do they? I could be wrong. Last time I was in the top 100 was, I think, four three three years ago. It's been, yeah. So, anyway. Um yeah, so that that's going to be me. Anyway, it, we are not called the Supercoach co-captains for nothing. Every round, we give you VC and C options to whether they're vanilla or they're fucking left field, like a few that we threw out last week, um, to try and give you the edge over your opposition. So anyway, 
We'll start off. There's not much really to go off of this week. Um, so we'll start off with the Friday night game, which is where most people's VCs will be coming from. Um, and that is Geelong versus Western Bulldogs. So, Pato, who have you got in this one? Yeah, this is an intriguing game um, on a few levels. I think either of the key forwards for Geelong could go nuts. And that's probably stealing your suggestion, Dano, in Tomahawk, whether you can trust him again this week. But I don't mind them as an option. Now, I get the feeling that O'Connor may go to Bontempelli, which is a natural defender who's had a pretty good record as a tagger going onto one of the most informed midfielders in the comp. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bontempelli has a, a, I mean, a below average game for him is still 100 or 110. Um, so, I mean, I'd still be happy with that, even in a bye week. But Jack McRae is the one I like to go really go nuts. I feel like he'll have a big game. He's probably going to be my VC, Dano, and I can back him in to get 130, 140 on Friday night, I reckon. Yeah, look, I was looking at the same thing. <laughs> I just, I, you can't, I can't trust anyone else. Um, he's, yeah, he's just the Mr. Reliable. So I think you can safely say that he will. I reckon he'll go about 120 plus. Um, last time he actually played Geelong, well, he's Ge- his average versus Geelong um, is 72, which is interesting. But if that's his career average. Last time they played, or well, what's his maximum? Let's have a look. He's he had 96, actually, 96 last year. Yeah, and his actual highest score against them is 124. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Um. On the Tomahawk side of things, uh, I feel like as soon as I don't put him as VC or something like that, he'll actually explode. But he's only ever scored highest of 119 against the Dogs as well. So it's not like they're screaming out, pick me as captain, are they? No, but we saw a couple of weeks ago, Jack McRae and Bontempelli, both had really low career averages against Frio, but both still really went bonkers. So yeah, that's true. It, that's true. It, yeah, it, it helps, but it it is also not always your rock solid. They won't do well. So being being the first game of the round, you can easily VC, and if it goes wrong, that's fine because we've got a pretty good option playing on Saturday night, don't know. Yep, yep, and I think we're going to have the same VC and C this week. <laughs> That we may have to do an overall score challenge this week, which you will win because you got more players on the field. What a shame, Dana! Oh, what a fuck. shame. Double blender challenge. That'll, oh fuck! That'll that'll be horrid. Um. Anyway, Gold Coast versus Port Adelaide on the Saturday. Um. Ollie wines. Um. But remember, he scores like a fucking yo-yo. But he's the only one I can think of besides Travis Boke in this one. But a sneaky VC option. Be Dan Houston. No, I don't like that, Dano. I much prefer Took Miller, even in a probably pretty big loss. Took Miller, I like to go really big against Port Adelaide, who don't really tend to tag too much. Yeah, and I was leaving you options to talk too. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was there's another one that I really like as well. He's not in too many teams, but against his former team up on at Metricon, big Charlie Dixon could have a field day on Saturday Arvo. Yeah, he's a bit of a flat track bully, is Big Dicko. Um, anyway, this that's, is a pretty flat track, Dano. So he could go. That is true. Um, hopefully, Sam Collins plays and gives him a bath. Um, North Melbourne versus Brisbane. Hmm. Can we 
can we put our faith in a whole VC in this one? There could be much worse options, Dano. He's in blistering form, so I don't yep. mind it. Yeah, yep, I don't yep, mind yep. Cunnington either. He's in pretty good form. But yep. in a game where, I mean, Brisbane are outright favourites, but North Melbourne have a bit of a fortress down there in Tassie. And yes, correct. And gave Melbourne a scare. Obviously drew with GWS on the weekend. And this is actually an intriguing game, Damo, because... I don't know whether Brisbane have ever played down in Tassie or whether even this current team has played down there. I could be wrong. They probably, knowing me, they probably play there every year and it's just one of those things. But that could be a sneaky North Melbourne close game this weekend. But I like Lockie Neal if you've got him because we know midfielders like to go big. If for whatever reason you're holding Joe Danaher, I don't mind that as an option as a VC because he could kick an absolute bag against North. Uh, what do you reckon, Dano? Kicking a bag against North. Mm, yeah. Well, Robbie Tarrant's back. He played against the Giants. Um, yeah. I just Robbie Tarrant's so underrated as a defender. And Big McKay is doing good too down there. So I can't really see any big bags being kicked. Yep, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, the only only other person I can think of that's a left fielder, actually no, he's not playing. That's Dane Zorko. <laughs> no, just, yeah, Hugh McCluggage is the only other one that I can think of as well. Um, yeah, it's a fucking weird game. It is. A, yeah, I'd be intrigued about what happens in that game. And I've never thought I'd say that about eighteenth versus fourth. Yeah, yeah, Ever. and probably the flag favourites at the moment, Brisbane. So yeah, yeah. weird one. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the Giants versus the Blues. Now, we've both probably got the same person in mind for this one. So we'll say it on three, two, one. Josh Kelly, Josh oh, you didn't fucking do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it. But I went, nah, let's roll with it. Yeah, yeah. You can't. What was the last time, um, Josh Kelly? I think he got a two or 190 or 200 against Carlton in the last so couple of years. So 2020, he didn't play against... Carlton, but 2019, mm. he scored 113. Uh, sorry, 131. Yeah. And 2018, he had 205 against the yep. Blues. It's just, he's, 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 I think you can fucking just pencil it in. You can pencil it in. He's going to go 130 plus. Yep. I really like it. And hopefully, Dana, you actually back up your word for your Kate, for your sake, and actually commit to it. Because last week you said you'd VC Josh Kelly. And if you had of, I would have been blending something this week. So I know, I know. Back yourself, mate. Back yourself. Well, I'm not actually going to put Josh Kelly as captain this week. Well, there's a bombshell. I'm going to put him as vice captain. Oh, I think so, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, and now you're thinking along the same lines. Um, but no, anyway, <laughs> um, so Josh Kelly, vice captain. The other one that I said earlier in the podcast. Lockie Whitfield's going to probably fucking go nuts against Carlton. Yeah. He's the only other giant I can think of. And with the Blues, you can name some Blues here, Pato. Yeah, I like Walsh. Um, yep. I think he'll have a pretty, pretty decent game, especially if DeBoer plays again and he isn't really up to scratch. Um, I don't mind Zach Williams as a sneaky yeah. one. I'm not sure whether he's worth it as a vice captain or a captain option. But his first game against his former team, I think he's going to be pretty keen to do well, Dano. 
Yeah, it'll be an interesting one whether, yeah, DeBoer plays that negating forward role again or not. But I, I wouldn't mind Sam Doherty, to be honest, as a left fielder. Uh, but you could only do him as a VC. I couldn't back Sam Doherty in as a C at all. Uh, but the last game, so yeah, I'm thinking... Doherty's been really down on form, Dana. He's got an 86 three-round average and hasn't hit the ton since round nine. So Yeah, but remember, I can pluck things out of thin air. So it will not you surprise can. me if Doherty actually does go all right against the Giants and pulls his finger out. Um, last game, which is the Sunday game. Only one game on the Sunday. Probably won't be on TV, I don't think. I don't know. Would they play it? On TV at 3.20pm on a Sunday. Isn't that the time slot that usually gets played on Channel 7, Dano? I, I don't know. I have Foxtel. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got KO, so I, I get any game I want. But I'm pretty sure that Sunday 3.20 time slot is shown on Channel 7. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we got the Hawks versus the Bombers and my C option this week, I'll say it on here, will probably be Tommy Mitchell. Um, I think in his newfound glory, he will fucking go Boonanas again. Um, so I'm going to do a VC, Josh Kelly, C, Tommy Mitchell this week. Um, but the other one, and I think it's safe to pencil him in as a captain if you're one of the few coaches that has him. And who is that, Pato? Is it Darcy Parrish? It's fucking Darcy Parrish, DP. He is going to go Boonanas. Um, yeah. It's Tom Mitchell or Darcy Parrish for me. Shout out to Zachy Merritt as well. But I can't really see you know, anyone else. Just quickly, Dano, this this game, if anyone that may not have missed or not heard the news, has been moved to the University of Tasmania Stadium down in uh, Launceston. Correct. Is that Launceston? I, I don't now, know. This game was, yeah, so it was originally at the MCG, but for some reason with no community transmission and outdoor stadiums, we still can't go to the footy, so they've moved it to Tassie. Now, down at that stadium, Tom Mitchell averages 118. And he's also playing a team that have not tagged this year in Essendon. So I do really like Tommy Mitchell as that option um, on Sunday, Dano. I'm not sure whether I'm going to go with you, though, just for the sake of our challenge. So maybe I'll take one for the team there and go with what I was doing. What, McRae um, to Kelly? McRae into Kelly, I think yep. so. But yep. here's another option for our listeners, Dano, for anyone that might have him. Zach Merritt. Last year, 145 against the Hawks at Adelaide Oval. So that's a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago against the Hawks, 138 at Marvel. So, look, Zach Merritt's better than he was in those two years. Hawthorne have tagged a little bit this year, but if they're tagging, I see them going to Parish, and I don't see them doing it well at all so look if you're not keen on tom mitchell or you don't have him or if you don't have darcy parish and you have merit i do really like merit in that game as well and you're making me want to drag merit in finding a way more and more this round um anyway that's all we got time for today paddy so as usual tell us your fucking twitter handle son it is at p a double t o s triple c and mine is at D-A-N-E-O-S-Triple-C. That's at Dano-S-Triple-C. I almost said at P-A-T-T-O-S-Triple-C there. Almost. <laughs> I almost fucking did it. 
Um, I'm going to um, also uh, give a shout out to King Supercoach again. Um, he's really loving our shit at the moment. So give a shout out there. Um, unfortunately to at Supercoach IQ or whatever the fuck it is on Twitter, um, I still can't get onto um, the Apple store for this podcast. We are still on RSS feed and we are still on um, Spotify, but I am working on it to try and get all of our podcasts up on Apple. Um, but yeah, just bear with me because it's a fucking nightmare trying to link it up for some reason, and I don't know how. But anyway, we don't like Apple to be difficult in trying to link things, Dano. The fucking scumbags. No, oh, fuck, man. It's just it's been annoying because I. It says you need to make this um, account, so I made the account, and then it comes up with error, and then I can't re- reuse that email. So and I'm Bloody and and in order and, <laughs> and in order to fucking um, to go contact their support i need this certain thing and i can't get it because it says error so i'm in shit at the moment so i'm going to try a different email address and see if that works but anyway that's all we got time for here at the super coach co-captains podcast i am dano and i'm pato and this is us signing the fuck off legends i will try not to um fucking die this week anyway catches